One thing I've learned from working with ATO is that almost every potential service that you offer a customer can be exploited. It's very important in e-commerce, of course, that you keep your customers happy, loyal, but nearly every attempt to do that potentially endangers you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Full Cart, presented by Riskified. I'm your host, Alon Livne, and today we're going to take a deep dive into account takeover attacks. With me today is Effie Rinsky, Product Marketing Manager of Account Protection at Riskified, who spends his days sifting through a ton of data on ATOs to try to understand every aspect of the problem. So hi, Effie. Thanks for joining us today. Ready to go? Um, <clears throat> yeah, all warmed up. Thanks for having me alone. Excited to be here. So Effie, what do we know about account takeover attacks in 2020? Well, we know that there's more in 2020 so far than there has been in 2019. And there was more in 2019 than there was in 2018. And I think they've been very roughly doubling year over year. It takes time to go back and aggregate everything and look at our data. But it's clear that fraudsters are increasingly understanding that by investing just a little bit more time and energy in performing an ATO attack instead of a typical sort of what's called a vanilla CMP fraud, they're able to have a much higher success rate. And so the more that learn that, the more frequently they try to exploit this ATO loophole. How do you explain this growth? These ATOs are growing at the expense of other kinds of fraud. Other fraudsters are switching over from vanilla CMP fraud to ATO fraud just because they see everyone is having success with it. Basically, in your typical CNP fraud, what a fraudster does is they get a stolen credit card, usually from the dark web. They go to a merchant's site and they shop and try to check out. An ATO is adding one extra step, which is getting uh, users' credentials. And from there, there's a wider variety of fraud options, which is appealing. And there's also a bigger chance of success. For a lot of merchants, just seeing that an order is being placed by a customer they recognize is enough to approve the order. It sort of opens the door to a kind of buffet for fraudsters. Once they're in, they can, first of all, forget transactions. They can steal personal data, you know, anything you have stored in your account. Address, phone number, date of birth, full name, all that stuff is obviously exploitable. In the case of, let's say, an airline's account, right? They can do all kinds of fraud with your loyalty points. So they can buy things with your frequent flyer miles. They can transfer those frequent flyer miles to another account that they own. They can just sell those miles on the dark web. And all this just for the added investment of acquiring a set of credentials. What's the fallout like for a merchant who suffers an ATO attack? Is it the same as suffering regular CNP fraud? So, no, I would say for an ATO attack, it's much more serious. What happens in a vanilla fraud, basically the way it usually plays out, is you, the end user, see on your credit card statement uh, a purchase you didn't make. Probably you file a chargeback with your bank, you get refunded, and you change your credit card. Now, that's not great, right? Nobody likes to have that happen, but that's the end of it. When it comes to ATO, if you have your account hacked, the best case is the merchant is on top of things after an ATO happens. And they call you and say, hey, somebody got into your account. You have to change your password. Again, you have to change any credit cards you have stored in the account. You have loyalty points that I guess will try to refund you. That's the best case. 
What actually happens much more commonly is that the merchant doesn't realize they've been hit by an ATO attack. And the customer finds out on their own. Maybe they get a weird notice, weird email. There's a purchase from your account. Maybe they use the card that was in your account. Maybe they stole your loyalty points. When you realize that your account has been breached at a merchant, it's a lot more personal. I open an account with you because I love your stuff so much, right? I stored information in your account. I've been accumulating rewards and loyalty points in this account, and you couldn't protect it for me. And so actually, we took a survey recently of customers and asked them some questions about account security. So 43% of them said they would definitely not shop at an online store after having their account breached. 21% said they would post on social media about their negative experience. Just over a third said they would shop elsewhere next time. So it seems that customers take this a lot more personally. ATO looks in most customers' eyes like a failing on the merchant side. It sounds like what you're saying is that basically these merchants are risking losing the entire lifetime value of these customers. So I'm wondering if you feel that merchants understand the problem and if they're well prepared enough to try to fight it. Yeah, so yes, you're losing the customer lifetime value potentially. And moreover, you're losing the customer lifetime value of your best customers, right? These are the people who shop with you so frequently that they decide it was worth it to open an account with you. So that's absolutely right. Are merchants aware of the threat? A lot of merchants tend to not really take it too seriously until they're hit by the attack, in which case it's a little bit late. Sort of like how we didn't have to take our shoes off at airport security until somebody tried to get a shoe bomb on a plane, right? Now we all have to forever. Okay, great. But it would have been better if we'd thought of that threat ahead of time. So merchants that we surveyed did say there was a fair amount of them and said they've experienced attacks at their store before. And 75% did say that they are taking action to protect customers' online accounts from ATO attacks. But by and large, the measures that they're taking are, first of all, somewhat insufficient. Second of all, a lack of true understanding of the problem can lead merchants to think that they're protecting themselves when they're not. For instance, if you're just using a payment fraud solution, then maybe you can detect and deny the ATO orders at checkout, but you have not prevented the account from being breached in the first place. So I think maybe some merchants consider themselves protected in this way, but they're only sort of protecting themselves from one vector of ATO attacks. A lot of merchants use bot detection solutions, which they should. Having a huge attack of bots landing your server is very costly, and they cause a lot of damage, and potentially can be the first step into getting credentials compromised for ATO attacks. A lot of merchants who are using bot detection feel like they are insulated from ATO attacks when the truth is that they're not. Most ATO attacks are actually carried out by hand. This is what we've seen in our research, right, where we comb through hundreds of thousands or millions of ATO attempt orders and see that most of these are done by hand. So if you have bot detection, you are sort of patching up one leak in the security boat, but leaving a lot of other vulnerabilities to ATO attacks. Can you walk us through how the account takeover attack is actually carried out by the fraudsters? The main ingredient in an ATO attack, of course, is knowing uh, customers' credentials to their account. So somehow those have to be compromised. Now, we see two main paths for those being compromised. The first is credential phishing. 
So this is any way in which fraudsters manipulate the account holder into handing over their credentials. That might be something like emailing you, pretending to be someone from your HR, saying, uh, hey, I need you to send me your credentials for this and that. It might be creating a mock-up site that looks exactly like a sign-in page for a real site and sending someone an email or something asking them to log in. You think you're logging into the real retail site, but in fact, you're just handing the frauds to your credentials. Actually, I had this happen to me last week. I was tagged on something for Instagram, and I had to log in again to my Instagram uh, account in order to see what it was. Well, if I had done that, I would have been handing my Instagram credentials to a fraudster. It was just a phishing attack. They just do this en masse to try to get people to hand over their credentials. That's one vector for credentials being compromised. And from there, once I, as a fraudster, have gotten my hands on your credentials, I can turn around and go right to that store, you know, wherever I got your credentials from, and do an ATO. The second vector is a little bit more technical and complicated. It starts with a data breach. We've probably all heard about data breaches, certainly in the past couple of years, but they happen all the time. There's a huge one at Marriott where all kinds of user data was stolen. Facebook's had a couple of them. Yahoo had a big one a while ago. I mean, I could keep naming them. I think we're all familiar with these. So what happens there is there's a bunch of information about people compromised. And one thing that is often compromised is a credential set, a combination of usernames and passwords. But a lot of these are junk, they're old and they're out of date, or they're to sites that aren't very interesting for fraudsters. If you compromise my Yahoo account, well, that's not too fun because it's nothing you can shop for on Yahoo. So what fraudsters do in this scenario is that they use bots, which is just basically a script which runs a program very rapidly. They take those credentials and use a bot to test them at a bunch of different sites to see if they work, to see if they can log in using them. So this is called credential stuffing. What happens is they might come to your retail site and have a bot try logging in a million times with a million sets of stolen credentials. This is somebody now who's a specialist in using bots. They're not a specialist in doing account takeovers. What they'll usually do once they find that a set of credentials works is they'll then take those to the dark web and sell them to the next fraudster whose specialist is doing ATO attacks. And that's how they end up on the dark web. So it's interesting to think that the credentials to your store might be compromised, but then there's not actually an ATO attempt until a month later, right? Once those credentials have been posted on the dark web and people have bought them up. So this is why I said that bot detection is one aspect of protection. It can address the credential stuffing. However, first of all, a lot of credential stuffing attacks can get through bot management systems. If you're clever about the way that you do stuffing, then you can bypass these systems. And also, of course, you're not really protected at all against ATOs using credentials that were obtained through phishing, that social manipulation. At Riskified, one of our research tools is the dark web, and fraudsters use the dark web not only to exchange, you know, stolen credit cards, login credentials, and the like, but also information and educational resources. What can we learn about ATO from the dark web? First of all, you learn a lot just by looking at what's for sale. If you see a lot of credentials to a certain store for sale, then you can understand there's been some kind of big stuffing attack on the store, and you can forecast with some probability that there's going to be a bunch of ATO attempts coming to the store in the near future. You can also learn about ATO MOs, 
a lot of these listings for credentials say exactly what you can get once you're in the account. So for instance, it might say, you know, account for sale to book depository. I think I'm safe using book depository as an example because of all the e-commerce sites out there, I'm pretty sure that fraudsters are not interested in books. So it might say, hey, here's a book depository account guaranteed to have a stored card in the account. Or if it's an airline, it's guaranteed 100,000 plus frequent flyer miles in the account. So it's interesting because we can see sort of what the fraudsters are intended to do, right? One way that we know that stored payment methods are important to fraudsters is the fact that they're being guaranteed when they buy their credentials. And you might be saying, well, how can these fraudsters guarantee anything? They're all criminals. How do we trust anybody? It actually works pretty much just the same way that a legitimate marketplace works, which is that a new seller of credentials doesn't have a lot of clout. But once you've sold uh, a couple and delivered on your guarantees, then people come back and write reviews. They say, hey, great credentials. Got exactly what, uh, as promised, ATO went off without a hitch. I recommend highly for all your fraud needs. It sounds from what you're saying like there are a lot of different players involved. How much skill do they need? I mean, if a teenager sitting at home can go on the dark web, buy some credit card information, and then go carry out a fraud attack, is it the same for ATO? Do they need more skill? Do they need a wider network of different players with different roles? Mm, that's a great question. The answer is it depends. It can vary widely in terms of sophistication. We see a lot of very unsophisticated ATO attacks where actually, for some reason, pizzas get bought a lot from ATO attacks, but like, people really don't want to buy pizzas. We see actually a lot of fraud, which is just, I, I think they're mostly teenagers buying people's credentials to uh, fast food or pizza places on the dark web, logging in and ordering stuff, basically just saving a couple bucks. To be honest, I don't really see how it's worth their time, but maybe it's the thrill of the chase. I don't know. So that's pretty straightforward. If there is a stored card, it's pretty easy. Even if there's not, all you need to do is you can buy an unrelated card on the dark web. And again, you have a fairly good chance of success. This does not require a large degree of sophistication, nor does it require any real investment of capital or anything. However, on the other end of the spectrum, you have very sophisticated fraudsters who, you know, there's probably a bunch of them working together. Most ATO attacks happen in very large scale. So they have a bunch of credentials over a span of a couple of days. They might conduct a bunch of ATO attacks trying to make a huge score. These guys might be doing things like spoofing their devices, so making their devices look like they have different characteristics than they really do. They're probably using sophisticated proxies to hide their actual location. They might be bouncing their proxies so that each time they log in, it looks like they're coming from a different location, so it's hard to link all these attempts together. And they also might do things like set up reshippers. If they're ordering physical goods, one way that an ATO, you kind of betray yourself is because you have to change the shipping address to the place where you actually want to get the stuff. So if you have a really sophisticated ATO ring like that, you might set up some drop points for people to receive the goods and then ship them back to you wherever you are. So first of all, it helps you hide yourself, but also you can put that reshipper in a location that's maybe close to where the actual account holder lives. And so it's going to make it look more legitimate. So these are the sorts of more sophisticated attacks that we see. Are there any industries that are at higher risk for account takeover attacks? Yeah. 
Travel have the most to lose in some ways, just because loyalty programs in the travel space are so important. We know that in many ways, uh, flights or bookings are somewhat undifferentiated goods. And so you often choose to book with just a certain airlines or a certain OTA, online ticketing agency, just because you are building a rewards program with that particular business. And so if these accounts are compromised and points are stolen, they have perhaps the most to lose. But there's nothing unique about travel in terms of where fraudsters are hitting. I talked to one of our analysts last week about this exact thing, and he said, basically, if you are a store that operates online and you offer store accounts, which almost everybody does, sooner or later, some fraudster is going to take a swing at you with an ATO attack. It's just almost inevitable, which is why, again, I said a lot of merchants, you know, when they're small, this is obviously ATO attacks are not something on their radar and they grow and grow and grow, not really realizing that they're just starting to become a threat. And again, they don't really realize that they're potentially vulnerable until they get hit the first time. All right. So what does all of this mean for fraud prevention? What does good ATO protection look like? How does it work? There's a couple key pieces that you need to protect against ATOs. I, I won't go into everything, but perhaps the most important capability is, of course, to recognize who is this entity who's trying to log in. Is this the real account holder or not? It's important to be accurate there for both reasons. First of all, to stop ATOs. But secondly, of course, if this is a good customer, you don't want to hold up their attempt to log in at all. So the problem is that you don't have a lot of information to work with at login. You don't have as much as you do at transaction level, certainly, right? You don't know what card they're using, payment method. You don't know uh, about their shipping address, their billing address, etc. So one thing that's quite important for all merchants um, and something you should consider when you're looking for an ATO solution is, is this solution effectively using other merchants' data to help enrich their decision at my store? Maybe this customer's only logged in at your site a couple times, and so when they try to log in, now it's hard to make a good decision. But it's important that a solution, say, has you know maybe a couple hundred, a couple thousand merchants in their network and can say, okay, well, actually, this is a legitimate pattern for this user, for this email address, because we saw them log in in this way, using this device from this location a couple months ago at a different store. They checked out. There was no chargeback. It was totally legitimate. So that's just one important ability in order to ensure accuracy. If a fraudster gets access to my login credentials and say they use a proxy or they spoofed my device and it looks like regular old me sitting in some cafe nearby where I live just logging into my account, how can a merchant actually tell that it isn't the good customer? So one thing that I mentioned earlier is spoofing detection. It's important that a merchant is able to see when the user is attempting to make their device characteristics look different than they actually are. Oftentimes, when you buy credentials on the dark web, you can also buy information about what kind of device the user usually uses to shop with. So that's how the fraudster can know what I'm supposed to look like. If you can see that this fraudster is actually shopping from an Android, but they try to make it look like an iPhone 9 or something like that, then that's a pretty good indication that something's fishy. The same goes for proxy detection. Of course, you need to be able to see if the entity logging in is using a proxy. If so, then you shouldn't put any weight into the IP geography that they're attempting to log into. There's other stuff you can look at. 
Behavioral analytics are important. So looking at the behavior, the pages perhaps that the entity looked at on the site before they attempted to log in, how long they spent there, even things like what time of day they're attempting to log in at. Like, you know, if you see a shopper every day shop in the afternoon, presumably when they're at work from the office, and then suddenly you get a login attempt at three in the morning. Just one more little factor that your models might take into consideration. One interesting feature to look at is copy-paste detection. So this is something RISC-V looks at. The way that they're operating is that these people are copying and pasting the credentials right into the login page because they've just got so many of them. And that's a behavior that most humans don't do, right? I usually type in my own email and password as well. Uh, of course, now with the advent of things like LastPass, that could change the game a little bit. Velocity detection is important. Nobody shopped in any of Effie's accounts for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then suddenly you have entities trying to log into 20 of his accounts across the merchant network over a span of an hour. Well, that's pretty unusual. I probably didn't just decide I'm enthusiastic about shopping. What's much more likely is that my credentials have been compromised. I've been using the same password for all of them. And now it's a free for all for ATO fraudsters. For merchants who are maybe hearing this right now, who want to try to understand the scope of the ATO problem at their specific store, how do you recommend that they go about doing that? Looking sort of retroactively and trying to understand if you've been hit by ATOs in the past is not easy, but it can be done. Again, I should stress that for a lot of merchants, the way that it works is you're not hit at all, and then you're hit big time. And when you're hit big time, you know, right, because you have hundreds or thousands of customers suddenly calling your call center. But if you want to look and see what has happened in the past, one thing to do is comb through your chargebacks and try to understand which of these resulted from purchases where the customer was logged in. It's also something as simple as making sure that your fraud team is up to speed on how many complaints you're getting to your customer service team about accounts being breached, right? Often these two entities inside of a company are not communicating with each other. And so even something as simple as that is a good way to get a handle on if you're being hit. You can also potentially have a dark web analyst go into the dark web and search to see if your credentials are for sale. If they're for sale, then you know that you can expect that someone's going to buy those and attempt an ATO at your store pretty soon. Generally speaking, if you have a high chargeback rate, if you've been getting hit by a lot of fraud, it's probably safe to assume that a fair share of those were ATOs. Just because, as I said, more and more fraudsters are learning that with just a little bit of work, they can improve their chances of success by conducting an ATO. So what do you think ATO is going to look like in the near future? Uh, it's a difficult question. It's just so hard to say. Riskified is evolving along with the fraud world. So, you know, every couple months or even a couple weeks, we see something new. We're like, wow, these guys figured something else out. And our models have to adapt very rapidly to deal with that. So one thing you can count on is that fraudsters, this is their job, you know, and they're always innovating. It's sort of like Silicon Valley. And so you can be sure that they will be innovating. How exactly? I don't know. But one thing I've learned from working with ATO is that almost every potential service that you offer a customer can be exploited. It's very important in e-commerce, of course, that you keep your customers happy, loyal, 
But nearly every attempt to do that potentially endangers you. And so whenever you have service like that, you have to make sure that you're protecting it. And I expect that more and more of these sorts of perks and customer services will be exploited uh, over the next couple of years. Effie, thanks so much for coming to talk to us. Uh, yeah, alone. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. It was a pleasure. And that's it for today. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to be the first to know when our next episode comes out. Special thanks to my co-creator, Amarel Wenkert. I'm Alone Livne. See you next time.